Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. You're listening to the Sports Scramble Podcast, where four friends serve up a weekly plate of sports with a side of SEC bias. Now, here are your hosts, Chet, Jacob, Wade, and Tyler. What's up, everyone? Let me tell you about a company called Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or even your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app now or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the Sports Scramble Podcast, where four friends serve up a weekly plate of sports with a side of SEC bias. Now, here are your hosts, Chet, Jacob, Wade, and Tyler. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Sports Grimble Podcast. Uh, we are shorthanded tonight, so uh, we are down uh, one of our co-hosts in chat. So uh, it is uh, Jacob, Tyler, and Wade tonight. How are we doing, guys? Doing good. I know that our host is out there in the Jamaica Isles, probably most likely just uh, arriving with the Jamaican bobsled team. Maybe he's getting some practice in with them with, you know, that movie from disney that they made a couple not even a couple of years ago that was like a decade almost a cool like runnings cool runnings <laughs> uh so i'm sure he's uh drinking a lot down there and having a good time yeah he's having cool runnings of uh yeah drinks. cool runnings <laughs> of mimosas yeah i wish we were doing that as well but unfortunately uh hey someone's back... gotta put the news on the radar people somebody's, you know? yeah you got somebody's hey, gotta pick it up. scramble is gonna go international and we gotta get go one country at a time <laughs> just, just spreading the word 
Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll jump right into our first topic, and I think the most um, electric thing that came out of this past week, um, Arch Manning uh, has committed to Texas uh, for college football. Um, he will join the uh, crew that seems to move around a lot in the coaching world uh, over there in Texas. Um, I want to get y'all's kind of opinions on what, what uh, this move means for Texas and what the future is for the SEC. I think the the move for Texas is bright. I mean, you have Quinn Evers. Uh, he's going to be coming in next year's class. And then the year after that, you get another five-star with Arch Manning. So uh, we'll see if the hype is going to be real once uh, whenever Arch Manning goes to Austin. I was a bit surprised uh, that it was Texas. I thought it was either going to be like a Georgia or an Alabama. He was staying in the SEC. Uh, like, uh, you know, Peyton Manning went to Tennessee – uh, and then Arch Manning and Eli Manning both went to Ole Miss. So it was a bit shocking for him. Well, he's still technically going to be in the SEC if Texas makes the move here in the next couple of years. But uh, we'll see how it pans out. But, yeah, uh, Sarkeesian down there, he's doing uh, really good recruiting. I mean, Texas has all the money in the NIL. So, I mean, they can pretty much, you know, put the money out there. Uh, we've I know we've said it multiple times that the NIL is pretty much coming like a free agency market. So, uh Texas is definitely uh, number one, along with their in-state rival, Texas A&M. Texas A&M has the number one recruiting class this year, so I feel like Texas feels the urge uh, to bring their boosters, especially to bring more money to get recruits like Arch Manning. Yeah, I think um, this is another side of NIL that we really haven't discussed often, and it you know so often we think NIL is all about money, and for a lot of guys, it it really is. It's a way to get paid for being good at sports, but it's also about building a brand. And when you're a Manning and your uncles are two of the biggest brands in NFL history, uh, maybe not the most popular guys on social media, but far as on the field success, winning Super Bowls, um, two of the best quarterbacks uh, to ever do it. So um, it's about building a brand and, and what's your legacy going to be. Um, so I think that kind of pushed them to go to another school um, Texas has one of the better NIL programs set up. And of course, nobody wants to turn down free cash. Um, but I think it does allow them to build a new brand in a new state, uh, usher Texas into the SEC. That'll be a fun challenge. Um, also, I, I think that um, for Arch Manning, I mean, you got to say he's a competitor because Quinn Edwards is still going to have a year of eligibility left. Uh, so we're going to kind of have maybe one of those Georgia Bulldog um quarterback battles from a few years ago with Jake Fromm um, and Jacob Eason and Justin Fields dueling it out. So uh, it's good for the sport to see a little bit of competition there. But I, th- I thought for a while he was going to go to Ole Miss, um, just the relationship with Lane Kiffin. But um, I think the Manning family sees a lot in Steve Sarkeesian's ability to develop quarterbacks. And I think that might have been the, uh, the tipping point, you know, that got him in the burnt orange. Yeah, I, I think the one thing to take away from this is that nobody, I don't think anybody honestly thought that Texas had a chance um, in getting this quarterback. So, I mean, I, I think that there is there still time for him to decommit if if another opportunity presents? Oh, yeah, there's, there's plenty still, of time. There's a whole year uh, ahead of us. Yeah. I mean, if something happens in the coaching world of Texas or just with the, the general – um, team as a whole, I mean, it, it, we could see a, a 
backpedal and and see what could happen here um, in the next year or so. So uh, I think from one prospect to another, I think we'll move straight into the prospects that stated their legacy now into the NBA. Uh, So a little NBA draft recap. Uh, Biggest takeaway for me, I think, was seeing Kemba Walker on the move to the Pistons. Uh, and seeing D'Anthony Melton leave Memphis and head to Philadelphia in an exchange for Danny Green, uh, I thought was kind of interesting. And a lot of people moved around on the board. Yeah, I honestly, I didn't really like what Memphis did. I mean, they got Walker Kessler and they traded, I thought they had Ty Ty Washington, but he's actually going to Houston. So I felt like, I was like, wow, this is like an A plus, not because I have SEC bias or anything. Walker Kessler, he was a, a double-double machine. Ty Ty Washington was a really consistent point guard there uh, for Kentucky for their uh, really their one-round uh, tournament run. But I feel like Memphis, you know, they really needed that center like Walker Kelser. I mean, Steven Adams, I mean, it's Steven Adams. He's not one of the best centers. I mean, that's just the truth. So, I mean, that's like the one piece that Memphis is missing for really taking that next step. You already had the young talent with John Morant and Desmond Bain. Uh, at the one-two punch there. So your front court is good. Your back court uh, still needs some work there in the center. You have Jaron Jackson Jr., obviously. But uh, the the Anthony Melton, you know, was a really key piece coming off of the bench as well. And Danny Green, I don't know if he's really going to give you that spark coming off the bench like the Anthony Melton did. Uh, but Kimba Walker uh, going to the Pistons is really going to be interesting. Uh, pair him up with Cade Cunningham. He can probably give some pointers to the young rookie. So yeah, definitely a lot of trades. And um, obviously the one, two, three of uh, Paolo Banchero uh, going to Orlando and then Oklahoma City getting Chet Holmgren and then Houston getting Jabari Smith. I mean, Houston got really three good players all from uh, the SEC, Jabari Smith, Ty Ty Washington and Tari Eason. So I feel like Man, Houston, you look at that, I know, like, I again, we're an SEC bias, especially three of us. Jacob has his opinions as well. But I really think that this the Houston Rockets had the best draft, no, no doubt. Yeah, I think they're a, a big team that uh, we could see. I mean, we've seen a lot of small Western Conference teams in yeah. this last year kind of make, make their claim for a playoff push. Um, and, and we might see some other teams that have been there for a while kind of fall down because they've kind of stayed stagnant over the last few years. Um, so no, I think that, uh, I think Houston did all right with their, uh, moves. Um, I thought was really interesting was Minnesota seeing the Timberwolves pick up some big men, which was kind of strange because I don't know if that's, um, a warning to Carl Anthony towns or if it's more of, Hey, you need to mentor these guys. Uh, these young guys, uh, I, I'm not sure what it would be. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I think that seeing Paulo Banchero go to Orlando, I mean, you've got the Wagner brothers out there. You've got uh, you've got um, Cole, Cole Anthony out there. You've you've got a number of guys that are becoming a part of that franchise because nobody's really been a part of that franchise for a while since really since Victor Oladipo was there, um, which was a long time ago, yeah. looking back. It's a very long time. Um, but going from that into the biggest news in the Northeast uh, with the man that had a lot of controversy over the last year with yeah. COVID and everything and not being, not 
not playing in the state of New York, and that would be Kyrie oh, Irving. Man. He is just so ridiculous. I <laughs> I can't even like. Oh man, the fact that teams are still gonna be willing to pay him like what I don't know how the NBA contract terms work necessarily, but like a super max, I guess, or like you know he's gonna be a top five paid point guard, and he played like I don't know twenty games last year <laughs> willingly. Right. I mean. I don't yeah, know. I, mean, I know there were some weird laws in New York where he couldn't play on his home court and fans that were unvaccinated could be there and he couldn't play. But I mean, at some point, if your employer is asking you to, that you have to do something, I mean, I guess they didn't because they didn't make him do it. But um, you would just think at some point, hey, there's millions on the line. You should be required to play and do whatever you have to do to, to play unless you're like seriously hurt or have a legitimate reason for not getting it. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it was I don't need the money type thing. Right. Uh, this is kind of like a I don't need the money, it's more about my health thing, or it was a, a stunt to say, hey, look at me. Uh, I'm turning a little money. bit of each. I mean, and it probably was a little it's bit. A lot, but... It's a little bit of each. They got some There's nothing stopping him, you know? Like, he's not going <laughs> right. to have to give the money back. Yeah. But even yeah. if they didn't pay him theoretically, yeah, you're right. He's set for life. Um, as is, but I mean... Jeez, I, I just wouldn't feel confident putting like my franchise in his hands because it's it's not going to be COVID next year. It's going to be something else, you know. He's, he's and it very and it it very well might not be uh, in his hands anymore uh, if sure. something pans out. I mean, uh, and what happens with Kevin Durant yeah. after that? I mean, KD is kind of that was the reason for the move and, and why they became uh, the two in Brooklyn. It was the three before Harden decide right. to leave it and uh, uh, join Joel Embiid. But if somebody picks up Kyrie's contract, does is KD on the move? And does KD leave Brooklyn? Uh, That's definitely well, a good question. I mean, I, I, I'm just going to put it now. Obviously, one of them will be gone. But I could honestly both of them gone because Brooklyn's just a mess right now. That locker room is just in complete disarray. You know, you have Ben Simmons there. We all – that's the drama queen himself right there, along with Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving. So I feel like Steve Nash has had enough of the head coach and the front office. They had enough of that as well. So, I mean, Kevin Durant's probably sick of it. You could tell on the court that he's just over Kyrie Irving. So I feel like if Kyrie leaves, then Kevin Durant will stay. But if uh, the Nets pick up Kyrie's uh, contract, then we could see uh, Kevin Durant. So it could just be kind of like a, a – you know, it could be like a – couple of doors swinging uh, pretty much so i could see obviously the the number one team that i saw for Ky- picking up Kyrie would be the los angeles lakers boy well, that's not exactly what they need in their locker room over there with lebron james <laughs> and anthony davis already who bring mo- enough drama to that locker room too but there's a problem already there with russell westbrook still yeah, being on russell the team westbrook too. russell westbrook would have so to be we on, the see move him on the move in order but I don't. There's no way that him and Kevin Durant are going to pair up again um, yeah. after the bad blood I'm that we've seen Kyrie between them to, two. Kyrie to Lakers. Well, we, well, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. if Kyrie went to the Lakers, they have to deal away Russell Westbrook. Uh, I know the Lakers have some money, but they don't have that much money. There's no way that their cap space could could take both of them, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. There's no way. Um, so I, I think that uh, it's a matter of where he's going to fit. I. I I saw some things of him going to Dallas mm. um, to join Luca, which would be a I'm Luca, I atrocious backcourt. Uh, 
that that would be very confusing. It, I don't know in Dallas. I mean, why would Dodgers you jeopardize kind of, Luca? Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. He runs the offense there. If you're going to take the ball out of his hands, then you're basically, uh, I mean, you're putting the game at risk uh, for, for Dallas at least. I mean, no playoff contender should say, "Hey, I'm going to take what I currently have and risk it." I mean, he's going to have to go somewhere that's borderline on the verge of the playoffs or trying to be relevant, sell tickets to their games, um, or he's going to have to stay put where he is. Um, Yeah. And if he goes to LA, then yeah, Westbrook's going to be on his new team for what, the fifth straight year, (laughs) but he's not afraid to play in any kind of market. So uh, the NBA is very fluid. And um, if the Lakers like Kyrie enough, they would be willing to let Westbrook walk uh, somewhere else or trade him to a, you know, a, another situation, but um, yeah, the NBA, it's, it's kind of tough to follow sometimes because if you fall off for one year, I mean, the teams are just completely different. Yeah, and moving to the ice and a team that we've seen the last few years uh, stake their claim to the NHL uh, Stanley Cup Finals in the Tampa Bay Lightning are currently dueling it out with uh, – the next big team, I think, in the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I think right now, Tyler can give us a little update about what's going on here. In, Still in this 2-1 game. game with about a little over 10 minutes left in the third period. So uh, if this holds on, then that means Avalanche will get the cup and that will end the Lightning's two-year streak. But like you said, I think the Avalanche, if they win this one, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this team here once again because I, I just think just up and down their roster, they are just solid. I think both of these teams are pretty even, and that was pretty much like these were the two favorites to make the, the Stanley Cup final, and that's how it paid off. But I at the start of this series, uh, Colorado got off to a 2-0 series lead, and then uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning was able to push it to game six uh, a couple of days ago uh, with a road win. I believe they won 3-2. So uh, we will see how this game pans out. I actually picked uh, before this the Lightning uh, to win game six. I thought this – this, this series was going to go game seven, uh, but I ultimately had the Avalanche uh, winning. So if the Avalanche win here, then it would look, make me look smart like a lot of others. I'm sure a lot of people betted on the Avalanche uh, when the, whatever they're rolling midseason. So it's definitely been a heck of a series, and we'll see uh, what happens in this uh, next, 10 minute, uh, t- next 10 minutes. Excuse me. Uh, hopefully we'll get a final before the show ends. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing is that watching the series is i think colorado plays better on the road than they yeah. do at home yeah they i do. said they feed off of a road crowd better than better than their own fans uh so i i don't know if they're just a more battle-tested team that can lock in on the road away from home um, in a controlled environment it might be that situation uh, i think they finished with the best road record in the league I think uh, so. to end to end the regular season so it shows uh them winning games in tampa right now uh but I honestly think that Colorado will will win this series. I think they've got the goaltending. Uh, I just don't think Andre Vasilevsky is really that goalie this year um, like it has been in the past. I mean, he's been the guy that has stopped every last puck. Uh, let but, us, what, like seven goals in game one? Yeah, well, that was game, that was game two. Yeah, game two. And that was I after was your overtime game. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, two overtime games in this series, a blowout, and then mm-hmm. a, a – kind of a collapse by Colorado the other night at home Uh, really should have finished that off on a, on a goal five hole 
through the goalie and on a crazy goal. Yeah, that was crazy. I got stuck in the net. I mean, this series, you honestly could not – you don't even have to turn the game on until two minutes left in the game, to be honest. The amount of late goals that have happened uh, throughout this series uh, has made it fun to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that – I think that uh, – it's good. It's good for the game of hockey. I think hockey's growing again. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's why ESPN picked up the contract uh, for a lot of the NHL games. Uh, they want to get back into the game, and, and I think that uh, I think hockey is up and coming. Yeah. And like the like the coach uh, mentioned last uh, last week on the show, like they, the NHL really isn't market enough. You could say some things like you know like the NBA, the WNBA. Uh, as well but I think you know ESPN was the right move for this one I just feel like a lot of people don't really watch uh, sports on NBC Uh, they just go like right to ESPN I think uh, ESPN picking up like all the playoff games now because you don't know many people uh, can pick up uh, NBC or not Uh, so I definitely think that ESPN picking uh, all these games up will definitely uh, do well for this market I think a lot a lot of sports fans should start picking up more hockey because I feel like every playoff game has been close uh, this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, seeing a rise from the Edmonton Oilers late in yeah. the playoffs, a team that we didn't think would make it that far. Absolutely yeah. not. But uh, from from one sport to the next into the next thing that you whack with a stick, and that would be a <laughs> golf ball. Uh, so moving into the golf world, uh, the Travelers Championship wrapped up today. and uh, did. Our uh, fellow statesman, Xander Shoffley, finished it off. Uh, with a 19 under par to to round it out looking close there at the end and he pulled away at the end of the round so uh i think it uh it was a it was unbelievable for a, a rookie uh to come up right behind xander shoffley and basically push him all the way to the very end yeah these rookies i mean this season have just been outstanding i think uh the, the pga is definitely going to be looking bright we're already seeing uh, young faces like Xander, like Scotty Scheffler. So I think, you know, all of this talk has been around the the Live Golf Tour, but if you're the the PGA Tour commissioner, I definitely think you have to feel real solid about how good these rookies are doing. I mean, today you had a one finishing uh, tie for second. I'm pretty sure someone in the Masters, uh, one of the rookies, uh, Pereira, uh, he had a shot to win it. I forgot which tournament it was. There's been so many tournaments, I can't keep up with the name of it, but uh, he – Remember that shot in the water cost him that. Uh, J, uh, JT ended up winning. I think it was a PGA Championship, if I'm correct. It I don't was. Know it was. So yes. it's definitely uh, really interesting to see. And uh, Xander getting another. I think this is his first uh, tournament win. I, I'm pretty sure also he won gold uh, for the Summer Olympics as well. So good to see uh, Xander uh, get on top again in the golfing world. Hey, the opportunity's there for him. I mean, He's one of the highest ranked people left, um, you know, in on the tour. So, uh, you know, he can make a name for himself. There's still plenty of people watching the PGA for now. It's got all the TV rights. Um, so uh, for some people, you know, it makes sense to stick around, cash in on that PGA winning. Yeah, I mean, watching the final group tee off today, it was Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley to finish it out. And Cantley finished with a four over par day, a seventy six to round it out. Uh, Starting the, I mean, starting the week sixty four, sixty seven, sixty three, and then a seventy six on the last day. Uh, 
normally when you're dialed in, by the time it gets to Sunday, you know what the conditions are. It was sunny outside. It was nice outside. I wish I was in Hartford, Connecticut. It was like 50 mile an hour winds uh, today. I mean, it's not like the conditions were like unplayable or anything. It was just Cantley was just off on his butts today. Yeah. And in TPC River Highlands has always been a course that we've seen guys go really low and we've seen crazy things happen. We saw Jordan Spieth a number of years ago. It's been some crazy. Ship it in from the bunker to win it on the playoff hole. I mean, so it's been wild. And I think going back to your point, Tyler, young players making their, their, their name for themselves on, on the PGA tour. Heck we saw an amateur finish fourth uh, this week, which was amazing. I mean, he went 68, 65, 66. I wonder what the betting odds uh, were today. If you know, if you picked him, you, I think the payout would have been. I think it was, I think it was plus, uh, it, it was like plus seventy two hundred. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was unbelievable. Um, so I think that was massive. Uh, and speaking of betting odds, yes, I placed a lovely yeah. bet today, and it didn't come true. I I picked Kevin Kisner for the outright win, starting the day four back. Uh, got as close as two back, yeah. and just couldn't finish it off. Kiz yeah. uh, Kiz just could not do it for me. Uh, normally, I mean, he had the best strokes game putting this week. I said, he might have a chance. I said, I'm just going to let it roll. And right from the very get-go, he misses a – well, he hits his drive on the first tee, way left, balls like neck high, hits it to four feet, and he misses his four-foot birdie putt. And I said, yep. I said, that's it right there. I said, there's no way. Like every <laughs> time, like, either Jacob or I put down a bet, everything just goes wrong. Like, we could just <laughs> go back to our bet. I know we talked about this on the earlier episodes about all our March Madness ones that I don't really want to bring up again, but I'm going to bring up again because I put down a future bet for Kentucky, and that didn't pay out, obviously. And then we had that epic parlay that fell one win short so uh i'm sure uh one of us uh, i know that chet also put down a bit i think he put down of kisner to to get top five i think that cashed if i'm if i think the leaderboard is correct so i don't know i know that uh wade will be talking about his winning bet uh shortly yeah uh, the rebels rebels came through (laughs) for me yep and one thing golf is freaking hard because it is scotty scheffler Scotty Scheffler today <laughs> off the back of the green today has a chip and he absolutely shanked a chip off like three yards off the green. Uh, and, and that was the moment where the number one ranked player in the world uh, who's won a bunch this year uh, makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. They all make mistakes uh, and it's, it's wild. Uh yeah, I think it was like a little bit of fatigue setting in as well. I mean, that man has just been playing tournament after tournament. Uh, I think I heard the announcers today that he's going to be taking the week off uh, this coming up week and then get ready for the Scottish Open uh, whenever that rolls around in two weeks. Yeah, the Open Which Championship will be at St. Andrews, yeah. a historic place that That's a uh, I know will be. Course. Yeah, I know we'll be covering it and we'll be tuned in and watching that because uh, I can't wait for that. It's always a, a fun course mm-hmm. to watch them play. Um, and the thing about St. Andrews is if people get on the list to play at St. Andrews um, and you're not guaranteed. And sometimes people wait a lifetime in order to play. I mean, it, the book is so long to wait. Uh, there's been people that have put it in like when they're in their twenties and they're 80 years old, and they they're finally playing it. Uh, 
so I mean, just imagine putting a tee time in and having to wait 65 years in order to play. <laughs> that is a long, long time. <laughs> I said, I don't know if it's worth my money at the end of that day. I said, it was only like $100 then, and then 65 years later, now it's like $500 it's an to play. <laughs> <laughs> Should not even make a, a, a claim on that one. Yeah. But uh, moving on from golf and moving into uh, the final game of the College World Series, uh, a big win for the Ole Miss Rebels, uh, who basically dominated uh, yesterday's game. I think we can start with, with the game from yesterday mm-hmm. uh, in an absolute 10-run route uh, with back-to-back-to-back home that runs. Was- and a lights out pitching performance too. I mean, it was just domination. Yeah, unbelievable. So uh, I, I commend Ole Miss for coming uh, in Hoover that we did not think that this would ever happen, uh, and they come out and they win their first uh, College World Series for the school, uh, for that organization. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. Plus, I didn't want to see two Oklahoma teams win the national championship in the same year. Nobody wants to see that. I'm sorry. They won softball and I did not want to see them win baseball. Hey, but they already won uh, gymnastics. So they were going for the yeah, triple crown. Yeah. yeah well, we can't have that. I'm sorry. We <laughs> cannot have that. <laughs> They're a very well-rounded athletic department. I tell you, they'll fit right in, in the SEC. Um, so I'm looking forward to that for sure. But uh, yeah, I think both of those teams just got hot at the right time. I mean, Oklahoma in the same way, but uh Ole Miss was supposed to be that good going into the year. I mean, they were the preseason top five team. But, um, you know, baseball takes some time. And guys that are freshmen, we see this every year. They come alive as as the season gets late and you're into June. And you've been playing a whole season of baseball. And at that point, you know, you are a freshman still. But uh, you've got some experience under your belt. And you're really ready to make that turn. Uh, so, that really helped Ole Miss. They got him some pitching depth, and then the bats uh, came to life. You know, a very veteran group um, among amongst the infielders for sure. Yeah, and 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 speaking of like speaking of pitching, I mean, their pitching performance the last two days, I mean, have been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, only giving up five uh, five hits in the first game uh, on three runs, and then today only giving up uh, it, a insurmountable three hits that's it three hits on two runs um in a situation where their starting pitcher kind of put the the bullpen in a bad situation with the bases loaded um i mean that in that sense they're lucky that they got out of that bottom of the eighth inning and ended up scoring uh three runs in order to take the lead uh so in that sense yeah you know your veterans step up and, and at the end of the day you rely on them uh in order to put runs on the board i mean they've been in that situation a number of times and it's kind of one last ride for them and uh i mean anybody that's played even high school sports as a senior or or college sports as a senior said you know that's that's about it so it's either mm-hmm. show up or or go home so uh, i think it was it was big for them to do that and crazy enough that we've seen two mississippi teams win the national championship in the last two years uh i think mississippi can be stated as a baseball state uh <laughs> for for a little while right absolutely i mean you got two minor league teams in mississippi as well two very dominant um college baseball 
teams, and heck, they were uh, not even considered to be the best team in the state there for a while. Southern Miss was a national seed, so a great program there. They're going to be joining the Sun Belt full-time uh, for next spring, uh, as well as football this fall, so that's a good move for that school. So, uh, hey, things are looking bright over there, Jacob. So, so yeah, just... absolutely, absolutely huge season by Southern Miss. That yeah. was unbelievable, the season that they put together. I don't think I don't even think Southern Miss respected that season. No. Uh, it was huge, and I think that uh, they're a team to watch out for, especially in the Sun Belt. I mean, that's uh, it's a good baseball conference. Uh, I mean, good pitching in that conference. It's not a very high-scoring conference, so uh, if they have the offense to put up, they'll, they'll compete, I think, in every single game. Um, so I, I think it's good for, for that small uh, of a conference, mm-hmm. and I think it's good for the SEC that you see two teams win the national championship. Uh, two years in a row, so not only for Mississippi. But moving on from that, and Wade, I think you hinted at it earlier, and speaking of college college baseball and your your fun little uh, payout that you had. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did. This was, man, this is a lot of hours I put in to win $57. <laughs> I've been waiting a long, long time since February. But, uh, yeah, I did put some – I spread the wealth of the, uh, the little free money we got when sports gambling – Became legal in Louisiana. Uh, that's where I live for all of our listeners. Um, so that craze hit our state right around the Super Bowl time period. So I spent a little bit of money on the Bengals' um, miraculous Super Bowl run. Uh, they fell just short, but won a couple of bets along the way there. And I uh, had a little bit leftover money after the Super Bowl from the, um, the sign-up bonus. And I said, well, let's do some of these college baseball future bets because I didn't know how to put it on basketball. Well, I did. I failed epically at, at March Madness. Um, but I, I, yeah, I bet on some future bets for college baseball. Ole Miss being one of them. Uh, but they were the preseason number three team, I think. So the odds were 19 to one, pretty much 1900. Uh, and um, Tennessee was looking like my best bet all year around. It was a 3,300 to one. Uh, but those guys got too cocky and uh, couldn't finish it so hats off to Ole Miss and uh, thanks for a little bit of cash and I'll just be putting that towards college football so um, anyways yeah what a run by Ole Miss and Mm -hmm. that pitching makes you think they could do it again next year but they'll have to replace some big bats yeah like Wade said I mean like Ole Miss was a preseason top five uh, and then they were actually number one for a couple of weeks Uh, same thing was, was Texas as well but you know, they started the SEC, they were 7-14. and 14. I think the turning point of the Rebels season was going to Baton Rouge and sweeping LSU. I think that was the turning point. If they don't sweep LSU, I don't think that that was going to be enough uh, for them to get into the NCAA tournament. They were the last team in. We can't, uh, you know, really think about that as well. I mean, that just adds to the storyline. I mean, going from last team in to the NCAA tournament to the last team out now is just a Wonderful story. I'm sure all the Rebel Nation will be talking about that. And Dylan DeLucia, I, I mean, that man just what he was the pitcher of the year for the Rebels. I mean, he uh, I believe he won the most valuable player of the College World Series as well. So I just think going into this Oklahoma series, uh, Oklahoma's offense, their bats have just been red hot this postseason going from the Gainesville Regional all the way to Omaha. And I think uh, with this Ole Miss matchup, I mean, their, their pitching in game one was just solid. I mean, he 
he only had he was a bullpen guy most of the season. He only had one or two starts, and then his biggest start of his career, he just throws a goose egg against one of the best teams in the nation. And then that back-to-back-to-back home run, like you said, was insane. I mean, all the Rebel fans, I mean, it was 90% fans, I felt like, at that stadium. It was just an invasion. They packed the house. I mean, we saw Mississippi State pack the house last year. I mean, there's only a few number of fan bases that can do that, and they're all in the SEC. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to this Ole Miss team for battling out, especially uh, with the bats of Tim Elko. And Kevin Graham, they're, they're the seniors, and they're going to leave out on top. So, like you mentioned, Jacob, I mean, the state of Mississippi, the past two years have been on on top of Mississippi State and Ole Miss. I'm sure Mississippi State fans are so thrilled to see their rival Ole Miss take the throne away from them. So, uh, maybe <laughs> Southern Miss could be the third team in a year in a row uh, next year. We'll have to see. But, yeah, like you mentioned, the Sun Belt, uh, Southern Miss will be joining them alongside Texas State, who was a team – you almost, uh, if you remember, got out of the Stanford Regional. They were, took the Cardinal to Game 7, and then Georgia Southern, obviously, uh, was the number 16 host. So the Sun Belt. And the Chanticleers. Yeah, the Chanticleers as well. Uh, so, yeah, the Sun Belt's going to be a Power 6 conference, if you want to call it in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the crazy enough, you know, y'all talking about packed houses there in Omaha, and, and and them filling the stands. Mm-hmm. All I know is when they hit that home run, uh, the pay, there, they were even in the beer showers, dude. It was <laughs> raining beer in the outfield. <laughs> oh my god! I saw that, and they showed the slow motion. I said, "Man, you need an umbrella out there in, in center field." I said, and that's that was... Mississippi beer. That's expensive. Uh huh. I, mean, I said, "Hey, I mean, Nebraska. I would do that too. I mean, your team's in the national title. Throw it all the beer you want." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it paid well, off. I, how much are tickets to go there? I mean, I, it's it's an endeavor. I mean, to put all that it's together, be a couple I mean, hundred dollars. I, I think you have to buy them by the book, like yeah. for the weekend. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure there's a lot of secondary buy and sell, you know, for um, teams to get eliminated as they leave town. Moral Miss fans fly in, so yeah. And I think we had another record-breaking. Uh, Shots leaderboard there. I think. Uh, I think Ole Miss. Uh, yeah, I think they Ole did. Miss they swept that. the board. The longer they stayed in Omaha, the more Jello shots they did. They almost got to ten thousand. They actually ran out of Jello in <laughs> that bar. We need more Jello. Speaking of Jello yeah. shots, our uh, wonderful host tried FaceTiming me during this recording and wants to let everyone know hello from Jamaica. Uh, sports are still on his mind. We're still on his mind, and he's absolutely hammered. So, <laughs> he's I think he's trying to escape work. <laughs> that is the uh, the message from our uh, founder, Chet. <laughs> well, we're holding it up here just fine, um, and I think that leads into the next piece. And I think Tyler kind of mentioned it a little bit with LSU. Um, we got some key uh, little dipping in the little transfer portal mm-hmm. for for those folks down there in Baton Rouge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, two outstanding prospects that uh, Jay Johnson has got. Also, uh, another breaking news: uh, we also uh, hired the pitching coach from the Minnesota Twins, who are also uh, I have never seen this before. I mean, the Twins are first place in the in the AL. Uh, what is it? The North, whatever they call it. <laughs> Central. Central, whatever. Central. Uh, there's too many divisions in so many leagues. I just get mistracked for that. But it, it's very uh, – I think I saw something that he's going to stay uh, with them until their next series ends with the Cleveland 
Guardians, and he'll go down to Baton Rouge. But it, speaking back to the prospects, I mean, Tommy Tanks White is coming into Baton Rouge. Uh, he broke the freshman single season uh, home run record of 27. I mean, I feel like he had like a game where he had like a grand slam, a three-run home run, and a two-run home run uh, in their first series against Quinnipiac. So that's going to be a big bad. They're going to replace him with Jacob Berry, who will be going to the MLB draft. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that LSU roster is looking loaded, especially their offense with Dylan Cruz at the top. He'll He's going to be coming back for another year, Trey Morgan as well. And then uh, LSU fans are pretty much just waiting around to see of what uh, recruiting class will come in, whether they sign pro or come to Baton Rouge. I'm sure there's going to be a mix of, of both. And then you'll have uh, the the draft eligible players like Kay Doty, which I think he's going to be coming back. I just feel like he's seen all this like, ooh, we're getting some key pieces. Let's make another run at it. I think that that's uh, I think he's going to be coming back. And then Gavin Dugas will come back as well. So Another uh, and then another prospect is Christian Little, uh, a Vanderbilt prospect. Uh, I know uh, he pitched. I believe it was game. I think it was game three or game two of the national championship series against Mississippi State uh, last year. He got a little bit roughed up, but he was a freshman, so I mean, can't really blame him. A freshman getting on that big of a stage, so that's definitely going to be key pieces. LSU definitely needs it after uh, one of the, like the worst pitching staffs uh, that we have seen. Yeah, yeah, I think. Go ahead, go ahead, Wade. Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, the future looks bright for for LSU, and um, I can't believe he got a major league pitching coach. Yeah, to I can't either. Come back to college ball. He was Mississippi State's mm-hmm. pitching coach. Uh, so my only thought is the guy just his heart's in college baseball, and the season's a lot shorter in college baseball, <laughs> and you get to live in the South. So, um, to me, that might be the reason why, but. Uh, yeah, mid-season, that's interesting for sure. But I guess the way the seasons overlap, you don't really have a choice because MLB still is going on, you know, well into the, the fall semester when you get those guys on campus working out. So you have to yeah, either be and, in or out. <laughs> yeah, and I think the, you know, Tyler, you mentioned it, and that's the the MLB draft. I mean, talking about drafts coming out of college, I mean, you see – something completely different when you go from, you know, the MLB draft to the NBA draft. Uh, it's and even the NHL draft. I mean, they're so different. Um, most of the guys that are going to the NBA draft, they're going to be on an NBA roster. Um, there's really nowhere else for them to go. I mean, I know the G league is a thing now yeah. and some guys go to the G league, but uh, I mean, a lot of guys, they end up, uh, you know, on an NBA roster and they're, a bench player, you know, it takes a couple of years for them to, to start um, with some good teams. But as far as the MLB goes, I mean, these guys are getting drafted by MLB organizations, but they're spending a number of years in the minors. I mean, yeah. very little have we seen guys rise through uh, the MLB, you know, affiliates in order to get to get to the show. I mean, that I, it's something that I think uh, I don't want to say needs to change. Um, because I think the MLB does it right. Uh, I'm just not sure if the NBA does it right um, in that sense. I know it's com- two completely different sports. I realize that there's more people on a roster. Um, but you would think if there's more people on a roster, I mean, you'd be able to t- take more people at the MLB level. 
versus something like the NBA where I've only got, you know, hey, I can only have 12 guys on the roster, 15 guys on the roster. Um, I don't know what y'all's thought is on that, but I mean, the NHL is is kind of like the MLB in that sense where guys go and they have to make it through uh, kind of the minors in order to get to to the majors. Yeah, I mean, MLB did make a change. It used to be like a 40-round draft. Now they cut it in half to a 20-round draft. I also think we've been talking about NIL too much. I think this is when we finally see it come to fruition in college baseball. Usually if a college baseball player gets like a million deal, they're going to be going to uh, wherever MLB team that they sign. Now, I don't know. I mean, the way that NIL has been working, what if they give like some college booster gives them like a million dollar deal? Like, hey, come here. We want you to come here for the next three years and then you can go on to the MLB draft. So I think that could be another leverage for all these, you know, high powered college uh, teams, you know, that had success in the past, you know, has the money, has the boosters, you know, the athletic foundations to be able to do this. And not only are we going to give you the money, that's almost secondary to all the facilities and the training and the coaching and attention you're going to get because college baseball has elevated itself to a level of competition not every single player that plays SEC baseball is better than your average single A baseball player. I get that. There's some really talented international prospects coming over, but the level of coaching and care that you're going to get and kind of that camaraderie that you're going to get helps you develop um, over three years in that environment. And then, um, hey, maybe you start in high class A or even double A and you make it to the major leagues in two years. Look at Josh Smith. I mean, he mm-hmm. was he's a, a good prospect, but he's never going to hit more than, I don't know, 15 home runs at the MLB level. I mean, he's just – he's a plus defender, can play multiple positions. He's going to hit for contact and average. But he shot up the Rangers' um, farm system after being traded from the New York Yankees. But just two years ago, he was playing for LSU um, in the postseason. So – that's a guy that he might have gotten lost in the minor league shuffle just because uh, there's going to be higher graded prospects that hit for more power or come in with a higher draft stock. But he kind of proved that he could do it at the SEC level, uh, which is basically becoming the equivalent of single A. And uh, I think it saved him. I think it truly saved him two years in the minors. And we've seen that with Spencer Torkelson. We've seen that. Um, with uh geez who went number one two years ago uh casey Mize. Rush, you talking about yeah and adley rushman he made it up this year so we are seeing a little bit of a change as fetch alluded to which i'm i'm excited to see because sometimes you watch mlb and you're like oh my gosh i remember that guy played for so and so but it was like six years ago so um as far as relevancy goes i mean it's nice to see these guys come up a lot quicker and i think the more guys that buy into college baseball, uh, I think you'll see that more and more often. Uh, but minor league baseball is improving as well with the collective bargaining agreement. So they're finally kind of changing the system, uh, cutting down the number of levels and improving the standard of life and living, giving people apartments and food. Who would have thought? So, yeah, yeah, and and in, in, in a major sport uh, in the United States, where I mean, a lot of guys they, they are not living uh, wealthy lives. I mean, at the double A AA and triple A level, they are not. Um, and 
I mean, unfortunately, it means that, uh, I mean, it's sad, but it's true. I mean, a lot of these guys are living paycheck to paycheck just to make it to the MLB. It's kind of the same thing that we've talked about with golf in the past. But, um, I mean, Tyler mentioned NIL, and we've been talking about it a lot. I mean, is this the tipping point where we see we kind of rule out the one-and-done system? I mean, like with college basketball and stuff, do we see you know boosters throw money at these kids in order to stay with the program? Hey, we want you to stay another year. Here's a million dollars. Like, I mean, is that what happens here uh, with college sports? I mean, uh, I mean, there's great pitchers in 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 college baseball that really go on after their freshman year, and some of them end up going through the draft process and are on a minor league team where they're not making very much money. Um, or do they say, hey, Booster's giving me a million dollars to stay another three years in college. I can, like, make, I can make way more money in college than I ever will in the minors. And have a lot uh, more know. fun doing it. Right. I mean, have a better chance to develop through the college process than the minors. Yeah. And we've seen that where, where coaches, like you mentioned, you know, with Minnesota, we've seen coaches that are leaving the MLB to go down to, I mean, college baseball which just shows that college baseball basically is the future. I think that that's big. I mean, we've seen, you know, Wade said a lot of international uh, prospects come up and and that's a, that's a good thing for the sport. And it brings a lot of different uh, angles and and different places to, to feed into baseball. Um, But I mean, the Dominican Republic basically has ruled uh, all free agency and a lot of the the MLB draft. That's where yeah. it needs to change, I think, is like get everybody that's entering baseball on the same playing field, whether they're coming from the college level, an American high school, internationally. If you're a certain age, whatever it has to be, I mean, I know that schools work a little differently in some of these foreign countries, but come up with a protocol like the NBA does. And if you meet the criteria, I mean, some of the NBA guys, they play professional basketball in Europe and in South America and China. Um, so they're not on a level playing field with somebody that's playing high school ball in Florida. So, you know, you can take that excuse out of it and just say, Hey, look, if you're this age, you're eligible for the draft and you won't see these international guys get ripped off that are coming over to America well undervalued. Um, you know, maybe they're not getting ripped off cause they are getting a chance at a once in a lifetime opportunity, but make it, make it a level playing field, give everyone the chance to get drafted around that high school age. And then in America, if you, if you're going to go to college, then um, I like the, the staying for three years thing that they have established right now. You get a chance to go out of high school or you come to a school and you develop for three years or until you're 21. And um, you know, then you get a chance at getting drafted again. But I, I think, making it so that um, these uh, international prospects can be drafted. I think that would be much more interesting. You know, if you saw a guy like Ronald Acuna on the big screen getting drafted on MLB Network rather than just hearing about him in a roundabout way, and, and, and there's no way to differentiate, like, who is this guy? Like, he didn't know he was that good until he started playing. Right. And there's no, yeah. And and there's like, who is this guy? Where did he come from type of thing? Where did he go to college? There's really, there's, there's no, no favorite reference, you know? Yeah. Right. And and that's kind of like, I just thought about thinking about college basketball. I mean, thinking about the fact that if 
the one and done system still didn't exist in something like college basketball, I mean, we'd still see Zion Williams in college, Zion Williamson in college, and people like John Morant in college, and a lot of good players. I mean, that would have accepted huge NIL deals. Uh, that would have stayed there and, and accepted the money rather than going to the NBA. Um, I, it, I don't think it would have changed much there at that level, but I mean, uh, it could have swayed the decision for for a lot of a lot of uh, past prospects that are now uh, either in the the big leagues or uh, playing in the NBA or whatever it may be. Uh, it stopped a lot of uh, the growth and, and development. Uh, there because they just want to get to that next level and everybody is like I just want to play in the majors I want to I want to be the best of the best kind of thing and and sure that's great and all and at the end of the day uh, you got to be able to make a living I mean living down here on the coast there's you know having a double a baseball team here but I mean these guys aren't living in the Taj Mahal so that's that's really not what's going on I mean uh, at the end of the day they're grinding away at it just to make it to Milwaukee to make it with the Brewers Um, and it's paid off for a lot of guys and a lot of guys have said dang I've been here a very long time Um, and I I don't think you want to be the face of a double-a franchise uh, but I hate to say that there are some guys that are the face of double-a and (laughs) single-a and triple-a franchises over the years Um, no but I do agree with you Wade I think there needs to be a, a a level you know system that everybody can can fall on uh, in order to make things i don't want to say fair but uh it an equal opportunity for all of all these athletes to 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 move forward not only with their career but with their lives um but moving away from that and i know we got a little too deep into that but staying hey, with the baseball MLB, season so it, it, it <laughs> is baseball hey, season i know you it is a long you season the face of a double a team but i would want to be the face of the savannah bananas they are a fun bunch <laughs> well then work on your dancing skills and send in an application let me tell you what that takes some skill to do that and still throw the ball down the strike zone at whatever 80 89 mile an hour that's that's pretty impressive the bananas I mean, like, have uh transition to real baseball at this point in the year though so tyler you will have to catch them oh. next year when they're in their right. harlem globetrotters i'll, I'll catch them next year yeah maybe the harlem globetrotters so like... i think that's cool though like i think that a lot of other teams should do that like oh, yeah. it's crazy in the minor, we're like, like we're like doesn't really, i mean i know like you still like have a chance to win a championship but i mean the minor league championship isn't as like heavy as like winning like the world series well, what they do is they have all the fun, like the crazy stunts and you see before yeah. their season starts. And it's just guys who played baseball and they're funny mm-hmm. and or just actors, honestly. And then when the season actually starts, they still do fun things. But like you've ha- you've got a, a fan base, you've got an audience that's like wanting to show up, you know, so mm-hmm. if more teams did that and kind of did like a little preseason thing, then you know, you might have some more people come out to the ballpark. But yeah, I think the general fan can relate to them more. Right. Uh, if they're yeah. joking around and having a good time with it, I mean, they can relate to them more. Hey, you know, we'll go see, we'll go see them play because, you know, they do this, this and this, or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, but I think it's cool. I think it's a good twist on, on sports. And I think that, I think baseball is a good opportunity for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think you would see something like that in, in the basketball world or, or the <laughs> hockey world or, or the football world. It just, it doesn't make any sense. 
Um, since baseball is such a slow game and it's pitch by pitch, I can see it. Uh, and yeah, they're getting a huge fan base. I mean, I, I see all their stuff uh, all the time on whether the stadiums are always packed. Whatever I Instagram. But listen, yeah. I, I'm old school. I saw them when they were the Savannah Sand Nets as a single A affiliate of the New York Mets um, for many, many years. And then that was like the Charleston River Dogs single A uh, South Atlantic League rival, Savannah Sand Nets. My buddy actually has a bat that broke off and flew into the stands from a Sand Nat uh, player. Um, Then they left town because they just weren't getting attendance. And that stadium that they play in is pretty old. They moved to Columbia, South Carolina. So that's when the bananas were birthed because they're like, look, what we did didn't work. We should have fun. We should do something different. We should bring in college guys that, you know, don't care that they're sleeping on someone's couch for the summer living off of hot dogs and will dance <laughs> and bat left-handed, uh, cross-handed, you know? So right. switching yeah, it compi- entirely, you know, if you can't compete at one level, then rebrand. Yeah, and whoever's whoever speaking of brands, whoever's naming these teams in in Savannah, Georgia, uh, is absolutely hilarious, and they're funny and they're cool, and I think they just have like the best PR people ever. And I mean, coming up with the Savannah Bananas, and and now you've got uh, an ECHL affiliate now in hockey. Uh, with the East Coast Hockey League, now with the Savannah Ghost Pirates. Okay. Uh, now Whoa. they are a affiliate for the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay. Uh, so they'll be starting their first season here in October. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah. Uh, and I will be making my way, speaking of Savannah, I will be in Savannah in a couple weeks. Uh, you so go. You can catch it, a Bananas it, game. Maybe yeah. I'll go you catch go a bananas, bananas game. game. Give us... Give us a report of how you know the the fan bases and you know how what they what wacky things they do. Just they show know. up in all yellow and, yeah. and they might let you on the field. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be on the field though. Wait, I said uh, I I've I've never been one for full attention. Like uh, in elementary school when we had plays, ah no, I, I I'm good. I said no no thank you. Yeah, I know you also said, mentioned minor league hockey. I I always loved going to the SeaWolves games. Uh, you know, growing up, I'm happy to see them coming back to the Mississippi. Coast Coliseum might have to make a, a trip down there to go see some SeaWolves games because I just love going to the, I, I just felt like the atmosphere uh, every time was just, I mean, it wasn't always packed, uh, but I just felt like the fans, you know, I just I saw a fight pretty much every game that I went to. I feel like minor league hockey does it uh, good as well as uh, minor league baseball. Yeah, I think hockey is, hockey does it right mm-hmm. um, in that sense. I think it's it's done correctly from, uh, the NHL, the AHL, the CHL, uh, or you know, getting into Canada and, and all those small junior leagues, um, they all funnel into one big one. Yeah. Nobody comes from outside of anywhere, kind of like baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a never-ending family tree of <laughs> of people coming from all over creation. Oh, so our I, I think it came from Canada. And <laughs> yeah, and I mean, hockey, yes, is is ultimately a Canadian sport, oh. uh, but ultimately has staked its claim, I mean, with the National Hockey League. Uh, and we've seen that. And I think we yeah, might we do have, have a final, Tyler. We have a final. We do have yeah, a final. Uh, hoist a trophy for the first time since 2001. If you're a Lightning fan, I mean, you can't really complain. Your team has won it back-to-back. I'm sure you all be 
will be back heavily in the playoffs. Your core will still be there. But the Avs, this might be the start of the next dynasty that we see in the NHL. Yeah, and a huge fan base there in Colorado yes. in the Denver area. I mean, that too. is that is absolutely deserving and good for Joe Sackick in, mm-hmm. in that in that organization. I think uh, they've worked a long time, and I think it's good for somebody like Nathan McKinnon and and uh, Gabriel Landeskog to get a yeah. taste of victory finally. Um, and I think it's good for them and, and good for that franchise to keep growing. Denver might uh, be up for a good year, you know, especially with the Broncos season coming up with the addition of Russell Wilson. So things are looking up uh, for the Mile High City. The Avalanche love us because every time we're on here talking live about their uh, they're their always game, win, as it goes, like. they win. We yeah. we talked about them live at each level, each round, mm-hmm. uh, in the conference finals and now in the real finals. So, um, yeah, they, they should <laughs> – Send us a little, uh, little thank you we'll note. Maybe thank this, you note, or maybe, maybe the Stanley Cup could make a trip over to uh, Sports Scramble <laughs> on its tour. Yeah, but and another thing is too is the hockey season is kind of long. I mean, it, it is. is it is quite long for like, a grueling sport it that it is. Start like exactly at the same time as the NBA season, and it goes like a little bit past. Um, it's close to the start of the NBA season, uh, but. I think it's kind of wild and ridiculous, to be honest with you, that we're playing hockey in late June. Uh, in the last week now. of June, and we're over here playing hockey on ice. I mean, they had problems at one point where the ice would melt because of the humidity. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. having one of those outdoor games right now and see what happens. And then they even have to cut it. Um, they have to push it back even further on Olympic years because it's such a big deal yeah. for the international players to play in the Olympics. So. Uh, years ago it ended in like july yeah yeah i mean that's crazy i remember watching the bruins and the canucks in 2011 uh play and they were playing the stanley cup finals and it was after the fourth of july and i'm sitting here going seriously hockey in july and here we go raying it up and we're back playing it in october shooting off goal horns over there (laughs) i mean talk about the shortest summer break of your life here here we go in july and i'm back on the ice in october (laughs) And I, uh, I think that could be said for baseball as well. I think uh, getting down to 100 games, and I'm not sure what the NHL regular season is, but, you know, just condensing it a little bit, um, you know, making it more of a, like, oh, shoot, I need to get to Atlanta to go watch a game. Like, not, oh, do I want to go to a game in <laughs> June, July, August, yeah, September? Oh, maybe even oh. the first weekend of October I could go to a game after I go watch the Georgia Bulldogs play football. I mean, like, come on, you're just right. overlapping way too much. You know, I think it worked right. out well for them in the COVID season. I, I think 60 games probably just be a, a little bit more or less than they want. But I think if they get to, like, 100 games, I think that would be – I like 100 games. You play a, yeah. a weekend series – and maybe like two midweek games. I don't know. I'm decent at math. I think that turns out to about 100, 100 games. Yeah. Yeah, I think these seasons are way too long for some of these sports. I, I mean, it is it drags on forever. It can't um, change with the guaranteed money, though. Yeah. I mean, they can't yeah. cover those contracts without it. There's no way. Yeah, and, and it's tough. I mean, baseball, you're playing way too many games, I think. Um, yeah, and, and with hockey, I mean – it's something I think hockey. I mean, hockey is the most physical, grueling, mental sport I think there is yeah. uh, right now on planet Earth. Because I mean, these guys are going a hundred percent every night, uh, and and they're playing back to back sometimes. I mean, you're going on the road and playing back to backs after you just got hammered uh, for 
60 minutes straight and I got to do it again the next night all season long. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's pretty grueling and, and it's rewarding at the end of the season. I mean, for teams that win the cup and everything I said, but I mean, it's a lot. So I, I, uh, I commend those guys for going out there and doing that and, and putting in as much effort and work as they do. Um, and, and it's an ongoing thing. I mean, the season ends, we see the season end. I mean, but for them, I mean, the season really yeah, never the season ends. How they get right back to the training. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's the great thing about about sports is that these guys, I mean, people are invested. Not only the fans, but the players are invested. Um, so I, I think it's it's good for, for all these sports uh, that are growing and continue to grow. Uh, but, I mean, moving on from that and, and staying uh, in the realm of baseball a little bit, the other night we saw the Houston Astros no-hit the New York Yankees. Yes, the league leading New York Yankees got no hit in the Bronx, uh, which was pretty shocking. Yeah. I mean, I was so, uh, I was tuning into this one because I had Christian Javier on my fantasy team, so I was watching the whole way out. So I mean, that's I mean, his stuff was he was on the money on his last start as well. He's he's just been real consistent uh, all season uh, for the Astros. Went seven innings, gave up no hits, and then 13 strikeouts. So definitely his best uh, outing of the season. And then get to the bullpen, you have Hector Nears, uh, who has struggled with the Philadelphia Phillies for a couple seasons there, and it seems like he's finding his groove uh, there in H-Town. And they close out with Ryan Presley, one of the most consistent closers in the game. And then that result she wrote. And then today, uh, Jose Urquidy had like seven innings uh, of no-hit baseball before John Carlos Stanton hit a 436-foot bomb to put the Yankees up. <laughs> That's the way to end it. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and then Yankees uh, ended up uh, walking off uh, in the 10th uh, with Aaron Judge hitting a three-run bomb. So, uh, yeah, that was definitely uh, – that was Astros, I think, like they did, the Astros did that at the old Yankee Stadium. This was their first time doing it at the new Yankee Stadium. So I'm sure the Astros love to do that, especially because the Yankees booed the ever living hell out of the Astros for what they did for their cheating scandal back in 2017. So I'm sure the Astros just love uh, doing stuff like that, taking the series and then no hitting the Yankees in the Bronx. Yeah, well, I don't think the Yankees are so innocent either. Well, they're not either as well. In, in I mean. <laughs> in their things but yeah i mean that's a that's a that's, a, that's another story that we'll never talk about that's a complete, until it's that's like a, a novel yeah, yeah yes yes that that's a, a lifetime of of stories um but i i want to get y'all's biggest surprises i guess from the uh, mlb season so far i mean we're we're close to 80 games into the season um we're closing in on it and and oh uh, Who's our who's our surprise have, so far? I actually here. want to go back to my surprise because you remember a couple of weeks ago I said my surprise team was the Boston Red Sox. We're not in a, bad, a very very bad way. They were off to one of the worst starts I think in ever Red Sox history. Probably not the worst start. I'm sure they had worse starts than that. But uh, yeah, the Red Sox uh, alongside of uh, the Braves and the Yankees have had you know one of the hottest uh, records in all of baseball in the month of June. So. Uh, they, I believe they just swept the Guardians on the road. So they are now, I believe, 11 games over 500, and they have, uh, they're holding on to the number one wild card spot now that the, the MLB playoffs has expanded a little bit. So they'll be 
or a wild card team. So yeah, the Red Sox are turning around those those bats. So their offense is starting to look like that. I thought that they had the potential to. It seems like uh, Devers obviously is hitting the mind out of his out of it. And then we saw Verdugo hit that absolute cannon in yesterday's game against Shane Bieber. So Red Sox to turn the corner. They still have some ground to make up against New York Yankees, but I definitely think uh, that's going to be a team that we're going to see in the playoffs. And if you have to see them, I I would not want to see this team uh, right now. They are one of the hottest teams in baseball. Yeah, absolutely. The Red Sox are getting hot. Devers is playing Mm -hmm. uh, just incredibly. Jose Ramirez, another guy um, for the Guardians. The fact that one of those guys between Devers and Ramirez has to sit the bench to start the all-star game is just tough. I mean, like, come on, let one play like second base or something. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, biggest surprise that's, that's tough. Um, uh, I mean, out of the first place teams, you got to say that no huge shockers there. I mean, the AL central is always up for grabs. Uh, seems like every week we have a different leader there. I think the Guardians are exceeding expectations for sure uh, after kind of selling in a way. But getting Jose Ramirez to stay was big for them. Uh, I think the St. Louis Cardinals look really, really good this year. Paul Goldschmidt, I wouldn't say it's a big surprise. I mean, he's always super um, talented, really good at baseball. But I think right now he's the favorite for the, the NL MVP. So that's a big surprise to me. Uh, we heard a lot about the Brewers going into the year, rightfully so. Uh, they're going to pitch their way into the playoffs, but the Cardinals look really impressive. Uh, the Dodgers aren't quite as dominant as they usually are, but um, I wouldn't want to play them in October. So, I wouldn't uh, yeah, I guess my biggest surprise is that the Cardinals. I think that um, all of a sudden they might be a favorite in the uh, the NL, and then some of the bad teams aren't as bad as they usually are. The Rangers aren't as bad. The Orioles aren't as bad as they usually are. The Mets went from being pretty bad to really good. So uh, a lot more, uh, I would say there's more parity in baseball this year than last year. Yeah, I think people just had to find their groove too. I think, you know, having the the quote-unquote lockout with the MLB, I mean, we really didn't miss much, but at the same time, um, you know, teams kind of missed their first step there. Right, not having yeah. as much time as you did to get ready. Um, I mean, it's it's you. It's pretty extensive to get ready for the ML, MLB season. Excuse me, but uh, I think my biggest surprise is the AL East as a whole. Um, your New York Yankees still lead the league, um, but with the Red Sox right on their heels, uh, and then Tampa Bay still being a dominant team, still being relevant. Uh, I mean, it's honestly right now, I think the most competitive division um, in baseball right now, you've got four different teams that have 40 plus wins already on the season. The Yankees are already into the 50 win column. Um, so I, I think that uh, even like even Baltimore is only six games back from 40 wins this year. Uh, they have already hit the 40 uh, 40 mark for the loss column, but uh, I mean, that's hey. per usual normally <laughs> for our both. It's taken Royals. them a lot longer to get 30 <laughs> yeah, wins. They've already season, hit I'll the 30 that. wins. It took them like pretty much all season last season to get to that. Yeah, uh, I think there's some upside there. I think they just have to uh, take each step yeah. uh, very Maybe slowly. But... For the Royals, but the, notch, the notch has changed it for them. They built the 
Great Wall of Baltimore. Just add a couple field. more inches on the padding in left field, and we have more wins. That's that'll do it. Let me tell you, that wall is huge. I I have to play there on MLB the Show, and man, you can't get a ball over that thing. It's four hundred. <laughs> you got to hit it perfect, perfect to get it over that wall. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. That's like hitting at Fenway if Fenway was even further out. Yeah, like if, lower if it ten the feet outfield, and push it out. Yeah, if the outfield extended onto the interstate, then then that would be close to it. But yeah, I I don't think uh, it's weird. But when you ask a lot of like MLB guys, their favorite stadium to play in it is Camden Yards. I don't know if that's just because they destroy the Orioles every time. Mine would be it's field because it used to be a very favorable left field for sure because it was like yeah. eight feet. Eight foot fences, pretty standard. Uh, but I think the wind kind of comes off the sound and pushes it out there. I actually sat in one of the seats that they tore up to put the notch in at Camden Yards um, because we thought it would be fun. It was a day baseball game. There's usually a lot of home runs right there in the first few rows. Uh, we didn't catch any, but um, yeah, that is no longer because now the notch of Baltimore is there. I mean, Absolutely. It's no joke. I, I, I understand if you like raise the wall, but I, it just kind of looks weird. Uh, <laughs> with with nothing there, it, it looks funky. Yeah. Um. It's it's kind of odd. Uh. But like we've all seen our fair share of weird MLB stadiums. Uh. Like strange ones that I've never been able to understand. Like why Tampa Bay decided to make their their ceiling white. Um. So that if you hit the baseball up in the air, you can't see it. <laughs> Um, that, that like, place well, is just, just atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like, imagine watching the ball and just tracking and tracking it. And then it just hits the catwalk and then you don't know where it goes. And there's a new set of rules for a game that's existed for 300 years to accommodate Correct. for that, you know, in a playoff. Game. And it's, <laughs> it's very odd. And, and, you know, I don't think we saw that as much when they had, uh, the time in, in Minnesota, uh, with the old Metrodome. So yes. I, the rolled back seats that formed the yes. right field wall. The lovely <laughs> wall of it. Jug and rat. Chuck <laughs> and right field and yeah. the endless left field. Yeah. And the uh, the hill of Houston back oh. when the Astros were yep. not too good, but uh, they got rid of the hill. To make a catch on that. Like, I, I can never. Like, would, imagine if I tried had two warning through. tracks. You had a warning track before the hill and then a warning track on top of the hill. That's just crazy. And a flagpole that was in play. Yeah. I mean, imagine if somebody just ran straight through the flagpole. I mean, that 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 would end your career. I just don't understand that one at all. And it's it already a very strange. eccentric stadium. I mean, the left field is already, you know, I think like a ballpark should have a unique identifying feature. Like, yeah. I like that. But I think like one's enough, you know, like, hey, I'm going to play in Boston. I have the Green Monster. Hey, I'm playing in San Francisco. You have the um, the San Francisco Bay out in right field. Like the the wall basically is the barrier of the bay. And I don't know. I just feel like when you start to have these like create a park kind of environments, it makes for some weird <laughs> baseball. That's for sure. I mean, I was watching the, the Rangers and all their dimensions this is a brand new stadium every dimension that they have labeled on the fence is like some weird number but they're like paying tribute to someone's birthday that's like a hall of famer on their team so like center field has to be 412 or something you know like how many home right. runs are you going to miss out on because you had to get gimmicky with it 
and push it back 10 feet or two feet even, you know? Yeah. yeah just, and it's strange. It's strange. I mean, even something like the Marlins in Florida, I mean, talk about a wacky stadium. It is. Uh, I, I just, I've oh. never understood that. And it, it's kind of odd, but no one I, in the I, city I, wanted that stadium. They wanted to keep the orange bowl. And that was the stupidest decision that could ever happen there to the city. I, mean, I don't think the Dolphins so were going to let it happen. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. Well, I don't think the it's so many seats to say so. They haven't really done anything <laughs> as of late to really have a say for that matter. I mean, another has uh, the University of Miami either. I mean, none of the teams in Miami can't really say anything. Yeah, I mean, the only team that has any say so in Miami is the Heat. Yeah, at this point, sure. so uh, and they don't even play there, so uh, you can't can't say too much about them. Uh, but I think our last topic staying in MLB baseball, uh, uh, big news coming from the Phillies with Bryce Harper out indefinitely currently, uh, with a fractured thumb. Uh, so I think that's a, a big detriment to the Phillies, uh, who have relied on him. And, and I remember, and that was a huge move from Washington to Phil to Philadelphia. Uh, so what that means for the Phillies, uh, at this stage of the game being in that uh, that very close, close, close National League East division uh, right now, just a couple of games back from Atlanta. Um, yeah, I think they're going to have to think long and hard if they want to sell or not at the trade deadline because yeah. uh, Bryce Harper is going to be there next year and he'll be there for the mm-hmm. next 10 years. So you got to get him healthy and build around him, but it's going to be an uphill climb for them. Poor Bryce. I mean, I've not always been a big fan of the guy, but he's been battling through a lot injury-wise. Uh, separated shoulder, now a broken thumb. Uh, I think he kind of got humbled when he left the Nationals and they immediately won the World Series. So ever since that moment, I've been okay with the guy because I was like, all right, baseball humbled you. You're not bigger in the game. Carry on. But uh, I know Tyler is invested in this guy because he's the face of his fantasy team. No. Uh, so I'm going to turn the it. face of my fantasy team. Face of your I office. didn't name him after him. Dansby Swanson is, yes. the, is the face of my fantasy there team. There you go. Hey, that's right. Name. That's right. Dan's a maker dance. Uh, currently about to be <laughs> one on the season. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I've obviously been following Bryce Harper. It's going to be a big blow, but I have some key pieces coming off of my bench uh, that hopefully – uh, can do some damage in the lineup. But for the Phillies' sake, uh, I just think uh, already being back uh, nine games uh, from first place in the Mets and being a couple of games out of the wild card, playoffs are probably not looking likely uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies, again, unless, you know, like JT Real Muto can start to pick it up. I, I mean, that was a huge uh, series victory this weekend on, on the road against San Diego. Uh, definitely need it. So hopefully, uh, you know, the other bats in the lineup can keep it going and hopefully uh, the pitching rotation, you know, Eflin, it's been a little bit inconsistent. Uh, Aaron Nola has been Aaron Nola as of late. So, yeah, I mean, everyone uh, just has to contribute. Uh, it's definitely a big bat that they're missing and then potential all-star candidate. I, I'm pretty sure that he's leading uh, the DH spot, uh, but it's only in the first round. So I'm sure that he's going to be replaced uh, by someone uh, once the second round comes around. Yeah, and finally, I know Chet likes to lead off the show with this, but I'm going to close the show with oh, it. God. Um, did we play any golf in the last week, guys? Well, we any did golf. not. We did not hear 
uh last week i guess yeah well, why don't we just focus on last week because we did we'll just do the last two weeks because we also didn't mention this in last week's show because of our guests because i don't think our guests played any golf uh <laughs> last week either yeah i i think uh i i, I played a little bit of golf i i went out um and played a little bit it's too hot to play it golf is. right now it is very uh hot. I mean, this my God, it was a hundred and so. And this week is not yeah. looking too good for golf. Uh, I mean, last week was a hundred and three degrees without the heat index. I looked; it was like a hundred and twenty-five. We got uh, lucky whenever we was, went. Was, I mean, it was like a hundred and five degrees, like the, for the first five holes, and then oh, here comes some clouds and a rainstorm to cool it off for us. Yeah, talk about a downpour. Uh, Tyler and I being out there on the course and just. Trying to angle the cart right so we don't get pelted <laughs> That's with honestly rain what we did. Like the, an hour. The wind was just like blowing the rain sideways. Like, oh, Jacob's like, okay, I'll just do, turn it this way. And then it was just pelting, you know, the glass uh, that was protecting us uh, from getting hit with the rain. And then this one, you know, turns in like Phil Mickelson and pulls out like two of his like rain gloves. Like we're on a par three. <laughs> just, he just chipped it on the green uh, in downpour rain and I just feel like here's another thing. Like whenever it started raining, I, I played better. So I think it just needs to rain every time that I go play out there. You're the rain man. Yep. <laughs> it's all, it's all I'm rain one with the nature. <laughs> he just focuses. He zeroes in on that yeah. ball, and he's like, That's "Let's like go." I don't think whenever like Mother Nature just brings it on. <laughs> I know, especially in Southern Louisiana. Yeah. I mean, Mother Nature. Yeah, is, I can is... also focus when I'm not like about to have like a heat illness too. <laughs> true true yeah it was it was way too hot out and yeah. i was like uh oh, we might die out here uh, but <laughs> it, it was, fire, it was i couldn't imagine playing 13 more holes of that that was just brutal condition that was very tough yeah and, and hey it cooled off it after did. that we get to the 10th hole and we're on our game the team box off, and it starts lightning again we did have a team score <laughs> yeah. we did uh we didn't really focus on alternate shot play i know that chet it has been trying to set up this match play and talking all this trash talk, but I'm sure in, in a couple of months that it, uh, he'll shut up once Jacob and I show up on the course. <laughs> I know, I know Wade's going to have some say, Wade will have to say <laughs> so as well, but I know that, uh, Chet Wade can is- only talk so much with the golf club. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> I mean, might be able to keep up with you on the fairways. Jacob, he's, he's a consistent out of the bunch. Yeah. yeah, if you guys get me to start drinking, it could it could be bad. Oh, you shouldn't even say that. No more. Going to be listening like, oh, we need Jacob to to drink every five team. Beers before. Oh, that's how we level the playing field. Every team must consume <laughs> nine beers per nine holes. So Tyler's either going to have to step it up what? and get the. Or Jacob's gonna have I to play drunk. Shot though, I'm gonna be blastered. That's like, oh my god! <laughs> so there's no way. Me and Chet can just split them five and four, and we'll be good. Oh, okay. No, I think okay. alternate shot in the end will even out the playing field because it will display all of our weaknesses on the course. I think so. I think we'll have to play some from some. We're Interesting lies. Or maybe right by the alligators in the pond. So does alternate shot end on each hole and then restart? Or does it, like, if someone sinks the putt, then the opponent has to hit the drive? Correct. Oh, man. Correct. Okay, so it can't just be I hit the drive every time. <laughs> Don't even bring uh, my irons to the course. Just show up with a driver and a I putter. wish that was the case, but my iron play has been really inconsistent. But I think I'm going to invest uh, in a hitting net and a mat because uh, around here we don't really have uh, – 
a driving rain. So I'm going to need a lot of practice because I'm sure if my irons are not on point, whenever the match comes, Jacob will not be very happy with me. <laughs> or I'll just be very drunk. One of the two. I said it could be very bad. Uh, but no, uh, I think we'll have a good time yeah, with it, though. It should be a very good time. And I know we're gonna we're gonna keep y'all updated on that. We might do a little bit. I know Chet's got stuff yeah, in the works. He's the, the main planner of that because obviously he lives in Houston. He's making us drive he's all the way it. over there. But. Hey, the match could get moved to the fall, you know, when it's like seventy five. Yeah, degrees. we, we might, that might be the play to move it whenever it's like sixty or seventy degrees down here. There's NFL yeah. games in Houston too. Yeah, so just take on the bye whenever <laughs> everyone's on the bye week. We'll do it on that. What do you mean the bye week? We'll go catch a Texans game. Uh, we'll go to that is a bye week for whoever's playing. <laughs> True, especially if it's like one of the top teams in the league. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens though, and I and I know we'll have a good time with it. Yep. But uh, speaking of, of the end of the show, uh, I guess I have to wrap it up uh, with uh, a little good luck to to Chet on his safe travels back. Uh, from Jamaica. Yeah, Mon, and, make uh, sure you make it back. You're Jamaican, be crazy, yeah. Mon. <laughs> <laughs> and we uh, we can't wait to have you back on the show next week. So uh, we'll look forward we to that. Thank you, guys, for as he will be on his Fourth of July festivity. So we wish yes. our friend well. I'll be making yes, the we'll be sh- cross country track. Again, Most we'll likely be... driving now. My flight got canceled, Jeez. so uh, oh. <laughs> we will see. He's gonna feel long haul. Yeah, <laughs> well, long haul is right. <laughs> Well, we'll be shorthanded, I guess, again next week. Uh, so uh, we will take that uh, as we can get it. But uh, hey, we'll it's summer break. We'll be good. Full strength for football season. Yep. Absolutely. When it matters, we'll be ready to go. Uh, but we will see you guys next week. And uh, thank you for tuning in. If you guys want to reach out to us on Twitter, it is at Sports Scramble 4 on Twitter. Uh, and we will get to your questions. Uh, when we can for that and, and try to reach out to y'all and uh, we will see you guys next week. Hi, I'm Maria and I'm Mike and we're team ready. ready. Black Hills energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.